The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good evening, this is Jim Shapiro filling in for Vena Jones-Cox tonight. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am excited tonight to have a guest speaker uh, who will be uh, joining us uh, tomorrow in Cincinnati at the Real Estate Investor Association. Uh, Larry Harbold will be joining me in a moment. Uh, Larry is going to talk about creative financing, how to, how to create deals, how to, how to do deals with no money, no credit, no employment, how to make deals that uh, that solve a problem for the seller and create an opportunity for you. So uh, with that, uh, tomorrow night at the Community Action Agency in Bond Hill at Reading Road and Langdon Farms, uh, Larry will be joining us and he'll be coming. It's a free event. Everyone in the public is welcome to join us. Uh, and then he'll be coming back a week from Saturday for a full-day workshop to go into a lot more detail on on the specifics. Uh, let's see. Larry, are you there? I am here. Hey, Larry. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, glad to have you tonight. Um, you bet. Well, before we start talking about creating deals, why don't you give us a little bit of your background? Tell us how long you've been doing real estate and how you got started in it. What's your story? Okay, well, I started back uh, investing in real estate in the 1970s, late 70s. And uh, that was during a time when interest rates were 18 to 22% if you went through banks. Uh, only one problem. I was flat broke. I had six kids to feed. I was a construction worker, unemployed much of the time because of the Michigan winners. And... I didn't have any money. I didn't have any credit. I just wanted to be a real estate investor. So I had to figure ways of buying real estate with no money, no credit. I had to be very creative. Uh, I grew up on a farm outside of Kalamazoo, Michigan, about 25 miles, a little town by the name of Goebbels, uh, population 800. And uh, I grew up, we didn't have any money. We, we had nothing but a lot of hard work. And, you know, I was one of those kids that always wanted something nicer. I always wanted to have money. I always wanted to have the beautiful things in life. And I had always been told that real estate was how the wealthy people make money. My dad told me when I was a kid that Bob Hope and Bing Crosby took the money they made in Hollywood and they bought up all of the orange groves in Florida and California, and that turned them into extremely wealthy people. 
So I always knew real estate was the vehicle I wanted to use to make money. I just didn't know how. Okay. And then in the 70s, I started buying, didn't know a thing. I just went out and made deals work with what I had, which was very little. All right. Well, it sounds like uh, you've been doing it for a while and you've been successful, so you learned some good lessons there. You know, we've I've been, been doing it over 34 years. All right. Uh, what's your perspective on the current market and how does that relate to creating the kind of deals we're going to talk about? What do you see happening? Well, I'm finding that financing is getting easier to get for some people. The problem, not everyone has stellar credit and uh, you know their payment history hasn't been the best. One of the reasons the market, I think, is starting to blossom a little bit is because inventory is down. Uh, the research I've done, almost every state, uh, the inventory has been bought up. And so because of that and because the printing presses are running in the government, uh, people are able to borrow inflated dollars with low interest rates. And so that is making it easier. But I think if interest rates start to go up, uh, the boom's going to quickly slow down. And I don't think it's going to last that long. And I don't see any other way than it's going to go. The interest rates are going to go up. I think you're probably right about that. Uh, so what are you doing today in this market? To, uh, to you know, What kind of deals are you working on? I'm doing only the deals that allow me to name either my price, a price that works for me, or, now this is a big or, uh, the terms that will make it easy for me to make a good cash flow every month, or to be able to easily wholesale my deals. So I'm looking for a specific type of property that will allow me to, I can either give price or I can give terms, but I can't give both. So uh, I have to structure my deals but I target just a specific market. I don't buy everything on the on the books. I'm I'm very targeted. What market do you target? I target the non-owner occupied free and clear properties only. I do not use the MLS. I use uh, I've got my own marketing system that my wife and I have done for years and we only do non-owner occupied free and clear a fact that most people don't know. Less than 20% of all of the houses in this country are in some stage of the foreclosure process. Less than 20%. But between 30 and 40% of all the houses in this country are free and clear with no debt on them. Most people don't realize that. So while everyone else is chasing the short sales where it takes a lot of cash, I'm out looking for deals where the seller has no debt and depending on their situation, they can make a deal that'll work for both of us. That's a that's an interesting uh, fact. You're saying that that there are more properties owned free and clear than there are actually in trouble. Uh, um, almost double. That's uh, huh. That's quite quite a bit of information. Uh, do you find that that varies by? type of area, by marketplace, by, uh, you know, are there more? No, 
Or is it pretty, no, kind of across the board? There's free and clear properties everywhere. It's just the news media bombards us with the foreclosure situation. But you see, I'm a contrarian. While everyone else is chasing the short sales, which I don't think are good deals, because they take all cash, I go the opposite direction because I have less competition. Because very few people know what I just told you about how many are free and clear, where the seller can make a deal. Let me give you an example. If I can find a seller that has a house that is willing, he, he likes what I'm offering. You see, if, if it's a non-owner occupied property that the seller does not live in, if they sell it for all cash, they're gonna get butchered in taxes because they've gotta recapture all of the depreciation they've taken for the time they've owned it in the year of the sale and pay the tax on it. They've gotta pay the capital gains, the difference between what they paid for a property and what they sell it for. And usually if they you know, paid for it and it's free and clear, it's been 30 years. And you have to do that in the year of the sale and then what are they gonna do with the money? Put it in the bank with what little is left at a quarter of a percent interest? That's not a good retirement program. I'm looking for people that have owned a house for 30 years, dealt with tenants, and we're planning on using the property, sell it, and create a retirement fund. And so I can give them a better deal than if they have to pay all the taxes, lose most of the money, and then put it in the bank. I can give them a you know monthly pension check for 30 years. Hmm. So I guess that brings up a couple of questions for me. The first, and we'll kind of go through them one at a time. Uh, yep. One is, how does the creative finance working work? How do you set it up? And two is, how do you find these people? So let's start with, uh, how does the creative financing work, the kinds of things you're talking about? Well, creative seller financing is not based on dollars. See, most investors today, everything is about dollars. Uh, I see students across the country who the only thing they know is they make an offer for the full amount that they're willing to pay or can pay. And if the seller says no, they put the tail between their legs and they leave. And not everyone wants cash. You see, cash, if you lose it all to taxes, it's not a good retirement fund because many people own that property for a reason. And see, I do everything on purpose. I mean, we study this stuff, we analyze, we do on purpose what we think is gonna be the best money maker. And that is what I have found is the best. And, and something else, you'll find that all of the really true successful investors do similar to what I'm doing. They don't pay cash. Hmm. Because most people, if they have cash, and they put it into the, all their deals, they don't have the cash very long. And not everyone, especially in, in our listening office of our real estate friends nationwide, they've had financial trouble, they don't have stellar credit. And so they're, they can't pay cash. So they need an alternative. And what I'm doing has been around since biblical days. This is what you did before banks were invented. When you bought something from someone, you paid the person you bought it from. See, this is a timeless strategy that successful investors use every day. And it's 
It was good 2,000 years ago, and it'll be good 1,000 years from now. It's a timeless. It's not a niche market where you know it's going to work for five or six years and then go away. This is something that you can count on forever. Even during the peak years, 2005, 2006, we were doing seller financing deals because not everyone wants cash and to lose it all to taxes. So it's, it's a timeless strategy. So can you uh, give me an example of how you set up a deal? What kind of, for, for people that haven't been exposed to this kind of creative seller financing, mm-hmm. you go and meet someone that you, you do your marketing. We'll talk about that a little bit. And then you, uh, you know, give us a, a set of numbers that kind of what, what that property might sell for if they wanted to sell it in today's market. Uh, we know you've said that they own it free and clear. And then how would you make a, an offer that uh, that would get them saying, oh, that's better than selling it outright? Well, it's, uh, it's our job to convince them because most of these people have a television and all they see or read the newspaper is uh, unscrupulous real estate investor screws old family, uh, takes the rent money, and doesn't pay the, the mortgage. And because people don't trust you, we have to be able to convince them. See, it's only a few people that, that make the news run. It's not the, all of us on this call who pay our bills. And it's, it's, you've got to show them that they can trust you. And it's, it's quite simple. If you sound like you know what you're doing and you're not afraid to give references, um, and I, I mean your, your minister your attorney, anyone that has any clout, if, you, or if you're not afraid to give them their numbers and tell them call, it, it has a lot to do with uh, your credibility. Now, something I've done, every note I've ever paid off, from a snowmobile to a boat to a house to a car, anything that I ever paid off, when it was fully paid off, I got a satisfaction. And so I carry a three-ring binder with these plastic sheets that you can put pages in. And I put all of those notes that were satisfied from over the years to show that I pay my bills. And I think that's a very good strategy when you're dealing with people. And people are not stupid. I mean, a lot of people think that that, uh, you can pull a quick one on these people. Uh, It's hard to do. These people are not stupid. All right, well, we need to take a break. Before we break, let me just uh, let everybody know if you're interested in calling and asking questions, uh, please call us at 513, in the local area, 513-772-9658. Outside the Cincinnati metro area, call us at 877-772-9658 or send us emails, uh, email us at askvina uh, at gmail.com. Thank you. We'll back a few. Hi, and welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. This is Jim Shapiro filling in for Vena Jones-Cox. I believe Vena's teaching in the Carolinas this uh, tonight. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm here as her fill-in. I always enjoy doing this. Uh, Larry Harbolt's here with us today. Larry is a uh, 30-year veteran of, of real estate investing and 
Uh, we're talking about creative financing. So let's. Uh, we've talked about the the kind of seller financing that you you seek. Uh, why don't you tell me a little more about how you find the people? Uh, what kind of marketing do you do, and and how do you how do you get these folks calling you? Well, I have a list source that I have found, and it's the best that I've ever used. It's the best scrubbed list. We get very, very few returned uh, mailings, but my wife sends out letters to these people. We buy a list. I buy 3,000 names at a time. Now, you can get this list by city, by zone, you know, zip code, uh, by state, by county, any way you want them. And I specify non-owner-occupied free and clear properties. And then we have a, a standard form letter. I don't use a yellow letter. Mine is just a standard form letter that my wife signs in blue ink. And it's from my wife. And it simply says that, hi, my name's Christine Harbold, and uh, my husband Larry and I are investors trying to find a few properties that uh, we can put into our portfolio as part of our retirement program. And then it goes on to say what we're looking for and why, and we send those out. And uh, that's the only marketing we've done for years. It, all I know is many people wanna sell, and these letters go to people who don't have listed properties, they don't even know they wanna sell many times until you send them the letter, and then they give you a call, and my wife takes the calls, and she asks the questions, and then sets up a time when I can call them. And it's a system that works well. It's, uh, it's worked well for us for years. So do you send them in, in your local area, or do you send them in other parts of the country? And No, I do. I do. Right now I'm doing the center corridor of the state of Florida. Uh, no, uh, It's got to be at least 50 miles inland from the coast. Because remember, I do what I'm a contrarian. I don't do what everyone else does. Everyone else wants to be near the water. I'm in the center of the state where these people uh, don't get a lot of mail, don't get a lot of people that want to buy their properties. So uh, for me, it works well because hmm. I'm not looking for the multi-million dollar houses. I'm looking for the houses that we can keep, that rent and cash flow. And then uh, sometimes when we get houses we don't want, we'll wholesale them. But well, that's a great uh, lead-in. Uh, we've got a question from Pete. Uh, Pete asked, Larry, you mentioned seller finance deals make perfect wholesale flips. Why? Mm -hmm. And then a follow-on, can you give us a real-life example of how that would work? Sure. Yes. I was able to talk to a seller and buy a property, one that I didn't want. And I can get seller financing terms on it where we pay so much a month for so many months. When you have a list of wholesale buyers, see, not everybody wants to throw cash out to pay for the property. And if I can create financing, a note and a mortgage that I can transfer to the person I sell it to or I wholesale it to, they can give me some cash and then they have financing in place so they don't have to either empty their bank account or go borrow money. They can just make monthly payments. And so that, many times, you can get a larger wholesale fee 
because the financing is in place, and then they only have to spend, the person you wholesale it to only has to spend their money to rehab the property because then they just start making monthly payments like I had negotiated with the seller. So it, it's, it's a good way, and, but you have to let the seller know exactly what you're going to do. And, uh, you know, many of them don't care as long as they get their money. Now, if you, long, if you yeah. find an opportunity like that and you negotiate with a seller, knowing that your objective is to wholesale the deal, you tell that seller right up front you're not going to be keeping it long term. Is that what you're saying? Yes, I do. I'm <laughs> totally up front. I'm totally up front with everyone. And many times I'll tell them that I'm going to pass the deal along to one of my one of my business associates, and uh, they know that up front. Now, how do you, do you do anything to protect that seller that the person you sell the house to is going to perform? What if that person that you wholesale, you flip the house to, doesn't keep up their part of the deal and make those payments? Well, here again, uh, you know, the seller needs to do some due diligence like they do with me with the person they're going to so, going so to. So you don't uh, stay, I know some people, I know Vina does some things like that, and she'll stay in the middle. So you don't. I do, I'll stay in the middle if, many times if I buy a property on seller financing terms and I turn around and sell it to an end user on seller financing terms, I'll stay in the middle to protect the seller. So you'll make that sure, way. so you make a payment to yes. the seller whether you get that payment from your buyer or not. Absolutely. Okay. You know, my name is all I've got. Right. And if, if you don't do what you say, word travels fast, and you make it on the 6 o'clock news, and that's the last thing in the world I want. Uh, we, yeah. we, do, we do what we say. Well, that's, uh, that's always a good practice in business. Absolutely. Uh, so how do you convince your seller that what you're offering them is better than what they're going to get from a realtor or what they're going to get from another investor that may be contacting them? Well, number one, if there's a realtor involved, um, it has to be sold for, depending on what percentage you have in your, your state, here in Florida at 6%, you've got to jack up the price percent so the real estate agent can get paid and you know if they're involved they need to get paid but if you don't do that the seller gets less and so what I do to convince them because you got to remember I only do non-owner occupied free and clear properties if it has debt on it I don't want it in most cases I can take them subject to but I focus on the free and clears and they're going to get, because they don't live in the house, and if they sell, if they got cash, remember, I tell them they're going to recapture all of the depreciation they've taken over the time they've owned it, or up to 27 and a half years, and they're going to have to pay the tax on the money that they deferred on that depreciation in the year of the sale. Then they're going to pay the difference between what they paid for it and what they sell it for, the capital gains at 15%. And then if they're going to do that, after they pay all those taxes, they're going to put money in the bank at a quarter of a percent interest. I can do a much better job because I can save it so they only pay the taxes on the 12 payments they receive in any calendar year. 
because they're accept they're accepting installment sale uh, payments to me, and they pay on the twelve payments I make every year. So it's less, and they get so much a month for so many years, uh, and they don't have to pay all those taxes in the year of the sale. It's a matter of economics. Most people are looking for you know money, but they don't all want cash. Usually, when they want all cash. It's because, number one, they don't trust you. They don't know you. And so everybody is telling them they need to get their cash. They don't ever tell them that they're going to get butchered in taxes. And they're going to end up with a lot less. Because once you pay the taxes on the full amount and you put the money in the bank at a quarter of a percent interest, you're not making a lot of money on your money. You spend all those years... Uh, fighting tenants and taking care of the property to make less and less income from your money. I can give them a better program. Hmm. And that, that's how I negotiate with them. You know, I just tell them the negatives, I'm not trying to scare them. I give them the facts. Now, one strategy I know a lot of uh, people use and that I've been taught and we hear from other other people who are providing real estate education is always be making two offers, you know, the offer you really want, and another one that you know may not be quite as good uh, you know, for them or for you, and, and hopefully you'll lead them to the one uh, that you really want them to take. Uh, some people will say make a cash offer and a financing offer. Do you follow that approach? Do you make multiple offers? Yes. and? Yeah, if I get a seller that, uh, especially if I can't get FaceTime to talk to them, find out what they need the money for, where they plan to go, what their what their needs are. And many times when you uh, find people that respond to your letters, they may own a property in the area you're looking, but they may live in Seattle, Washington. And it's hard to get FaceTime uh, to sit there and drink a cup of coffee and, and explain to them what you want to do. So if that's the case, or they're very tight-lipped many times, they don't want to tell you anything. Um, then I'll do multiple offers, and I usually do four offers. And I, uh, I number one, I always give a full price offer, whatever they're asking. But that's going to be full price, and it's going to be three hundred dollars a month for X many months, which is no interest. Then my second is I will offer them a little bit less with interest on a 30-year basis. Then I'll offer them a little bit now and the rest sometime in the future to solve the problem they have. And my last will be a low-ball cash offer. So then choose what they want. I put them all, I do separate purchase agreements, put them in an overnight envelope with a letter that says, look these offers over, pick the one that works best for you, Get it signed, notarized, and sent back to me so we can get the closing process started as quickly as possible. And I send it overnight with a return overnight envelope prepaid inside. Many times they don't have to take, many times, none of the time they have to take any of them. But if they don't have people beating a path to their door, they'll take one of them. Whichever one they take is good for me, but I'll give them multiple choices. That third offer, so the first one was full price at a, no interest. no interest. Second yep. one was a, a little lower price with some interest. Yep. Third uh, is split funded offer. So some cash and some. Now, 
I'll give you the rest when we either, you know, we can put a date on it, but it's going to be a period of time uh, when we either refinance or sell the property. So you don't make see, many times, You're not making payments on that third offer. Try not to, because see, many times they need. Many times these people are ready to walk away because of financial issues, and they need ten thousand dollars to walk. So we can agree on a, a payment. I'll give you the ten thousand up front, but then I owe you nothing until I refinance or sell. Many of these people, even though properties are paid for, are ready to walk away and just give it up if it's you know not a beautiful mansion. And so uh, I can give them the money they need, and then I'll pay them the rest later. But you have to understand, I've got to put more money into it to fix it up so I can rent it and make a cash flow on it. So it's not that I'm only getting through with paying them so much up front, whatever they need, and then I'm making all the money. Um, They're going to walk away from it anyway in many cases. And many times they don't care once they get what they need. They don't care if you wait five years, ten years. They they didn't expect to get anything in the first place. Hmm. Okay. Now, what about do you get into a lease option kind of deals where you're offering them uh, where you're not getting the deed? You're actually, you know, lease optioning, and then you're going to release it to a. Well, like I'm going to explain at the meeting. Uh, for me, the lease option is only when I try to do a. Buy a property and leave the existing financing in place. In other words, do a subject to deal, not not a sneaky subject to, but where we wrap the underlying with a second. And if I'm going to do a wrap, if they say no, they won't do that because they're afraid to give up the title or the control, then I'll go right to the lease option where that gives me the right to buy it but they stay entitled so that they can make sure the payment's made. That's for people that are credit conscious. So if they won't do a subject to where we leave the existing debt in place, and then they'll do a second that wraps around that, they're afraid to give up ownership, then I'll go right straight to the lease option so that they stay in control, but I have the right to purchase at an agreed price. And you said you pretty much stay out of the whole short sale business. You're not even playing in that market. Wouldn't touch one with a 10-foot pole. Having worked on 20 or 30, I understand why. Uh, Yeah. I mean, they take time and they take cash. Right. Right. You see, one of the things that I try to explain to my students, and I will make this point when I'm there, uh, I ask the people, if I had $100,000, and I had the ability to buy a house worth 200000 with my 100000 is that a good deal? Most people say that's a great deal. And I always say, no, that deal stinks. Because if I had 100000 cash, I could take that and divide it into $5,000 increments for down payments. I could control 20 $200,000 houses with the same amount of cash as you would put into one house. So, you know, is my profit margin going to be bigger? The answer is absolutely. See, everybody's, everybody thinks only of dollars. I want to maximize. I'm an investor. I want to put the least amount of money into the deal to get the maximum return over time. 
All right. Well, we're uh, due for another break here. Before we break, let me give everyone a reminder. Uh, Larry will be speaking at Cincinnati RIA tomorrow. Uh, the Community Action Agency, he'll be coming on at 7.30. At 6 o'clock, we've got uh, uh, Drew White coming in to talk about how to have these conversations, how to how to have a conversation like Larry's talking about. Larry's going to talk about what goes in the conversation. Drew's going to talk about uh, negotiating. He's a great person for negotiating these sorts of things. So there are going to be a good set of uh, speakers tomorrow. 6 o'clock, Drew White talking about the... Uh, the kind of conversations and, and the things to say and the things not to say. And then at 7.30, Larry will come on. Uh, it's open to the public. Everyone, please, uh, uh, you can see us at CincinnatiRIA.com on the web. Uh, all the information is right there with our address and times and more information about our speakers. Uh, and then Larry will be coming back on August 10th and doing a full-day workshop. Uh, I happen to have Larry's course. It's a great, great resource. Uh, we're going to talk more about a couple of other things that are coming up in a few minutes. Uh, if you have questions, please call us at 513-772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or email us at askvina at gmail.com. Hi, and welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am Jim Shapiro here with Larry Harbolt talking about how to create deals using creative seller financing. Uh, Larry, you, you've talked about that you only market to non-owner-occupied free and clear properties. Why not owner-occupied free and clear? Why not, you know, the, the grandparents who are, own their home, they live there for 30 years and they're ready to, to move closer to their kids and they want to sell. What's, what's the difference between that and a non-owner-occupied for you? Well, I will buy those, but I have less negotiating power with those people because if they've lived in the property, any two of the last five years, IRS Section 121 says that the owners, if it's a single person, can take up to 250000 of their profit tax-free. If it's a couple, they can take up to 500000 of their profit tax-free. So I don't have the negotiating power of how you're going to lose everything to taxes and then put it in the bank at a quarter of a percent. So I will buy them, but, you know, if they have debt on the property um, or if they live in the property, you, you have the uh, emotional attachment. And as you know, I'm sure everyone on this call knows, when you talk to somebody about something that they own personally, to them, it's worth a lot more than it is to you. So uh, you, you lose your negotiating strength, I should say. For instance, uh, I bought many properties that I turned into rentals. And in many of those houses, I have found people have left me uh, Velvet Elvis paintings, uh, the dogs playing poker paintings, and uh, the matador and the clown. Okay, I've got a collection of those paintings. Now, to me, they're worth millions. But to you, they're probably worth nothing. So because value is subjective and emotional attachments mixed in there, it's harder to do business with those people because of those reasons I have found over my years of doing it. Okay, makes good sense. Well, funny aside, the, the bar hounds, the dogs sitting at the bar talking, 
the the artist that did those in the fifties is a local Cincinnati woman, and her daughter's restarting them, and she's a friend of mine. And uh, so you're, we're still starting to see those float around again. There's a there's a whole series of bar hounds, uh, but anyway, that's a different subject. Uh, and she's a real estate investor. She owns some rental property, and she's been a member of Cincinnati Ria as well. So we talked earlier, and you mentioned that every property in the country falls into one of four categories. So yes. What are those categories, and why do you say that by understanding that you can generate more profit from your deals? Well, because so many investors are, they only know one, one way of doing it. You either have the short sale people, or you have the wholesale people, or you have the lease option people, but nobody is universal in their buying. And so what I found, took me 25 years to figure it out, that every house you'll ever look at falls into one of four categories. Those categories are, number one, houses in some stage of the foreclosure process. Uh, properties where you know, you're gonna have to pay cash or REOs. That's number one. Number two, properties you don't want. Have you or anyone on this call ever seen properties you don't want? Well, I've seen a lot of houses I didn't want, but that don't mean I don't want to make money from them. Then you've got number three, houses you can fix and sell retail. And the fourth is rental property, income-producing property. So if you understand that every one of your properties you'll ever look at is going to fall into one of those four categories, and you have buyers, uh, you have investor buyers, who will take those off your hands. See, the, the foreclosure, there are people that do short sales. If you find one, you can go to them if you have a list of those people. People, houses you don't want. If you've got a list of wholesale buyers, someone can pay you cash for those houses if you get the right group of people. Houses that you can fix and sell retail, if you need bigger checks, you can fix and sell retail. If not, you can wholesale it. And income-producing properties, rentals. I look for rentals. And if I find one that doesn't fit my criteria, it's not better than the worst of my keepers, then I put it into the houses I don't want, and I will wholesale it. But I have buyers for each one of those four categories, so I can move my properties faster. The minute I get one under contract, whichever one of the categories it fits in, I'm on the phone calling the people on that list and tell them to go look at it, tell me what they give me for it. So that's what I'm talking about by recognizing you don't have to be uh, what they call a one-trick pony. If you can diversify, you make a lot more money because you can do a lot more deals. And here again, it doesn't have to be costly because remember what I said, I don't deal with properties that are are listed and I'll tell you right now my purchase agreement my earnest money is only ten dollars nobody's going to tell me that I got to put five thousand down against a house it's my offer my way because I don't have a real estate agent involved it's ten dollars is adequate earnest money on a property because you know it's it's only as good as the parties signing the agreement but it's still enough to make it legal and I could lose my $10 if I can't close on that property. But if I can't close on it, 
and, and roll it over to one of my people on my list, I don't make any money. So it's my job. I want to get that thing sold so I get paid too. So it's not like I'm just going to go out and get a bunch of them under contract and, and not try and get rid of them and make a profit. But I can make profit from each one of those four categories. So uh, that's what I was talking about. But like I said, it took me 25 years to figure that out. I didn't want to be a one-trick pony. Only do one aspect of the business. So when you're looking at uh, a property and it needs, you know, some need more work, some need less work, uh, how do you factor in uh, to your offer? You've talked about you know you're making cash offers at what may be higher prices than would be a I'm sorry not cash offers making term offers uh, higher prices uh, but smaller payments over more time or and maybe no money down. How does the factor of gee it needs seven thousand dollars in paint and carpet versus gee it needs. 15,000 paint and carpet and kitchen and bath and the ones that need furnaces, you know, everything, furnace, roof. Uh, are you willing mm-hmm. to take on the twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 kind of projects on? Uh... Sure. I was a contractor for years. I, I'm not afraid of those. But it has to be the numbers of your repairs have to be factored in amongst your other costs. And so your cash offer has got to be low enough so that you cover everything that you're going to have to encounter. It's not that these are nothing down deals. It's just that I pay the seller instead of paying a bank. And to be honest with you, we own everything in land trusts. No bank is going to talk to me anyway about giving me a loan because I own nothing. I don't mean I don't control a lot, but I own nothing. Okay, uh, we've got a few minutes left. We haven't had too many callers today. I'm a little surprised we uh, this interesting topic. Anyone still uh, has questions, please uh, give us a call. Uh, email us at askvina at gmail.com or call us at uh, locally 513-772-9658 or out of the region, uh, 877-772-9658. The... If someone's you know kind of new in the business and they're yeah. learning things that are this is kind of uh, uh I know the first time I started hearing about creative financing people giving you the house uh it all sounded uh uh hard to believe and then I did my yeah. first subject to deal and I realized oh it really does happen uh, and it's easy to do yeah and it was easy to do actually they called me up and said will you take this house we don't need any money down We've got a loan in place. We just don't want to own this house anymore. Right, and, uh, right. You know, and I, That's what I'm looking for, those people. Uh, what would you say if you were to give them one tip to get them started quickly in making more money and, and in making these kinds of deals? Uh, how would what, what would be that tip to give them? I would say to tell them to stop walking over thousands of dollars every day and learn how to recognize the many different ways that you can make offers on property and you can make more money. That's why I said, if you understand the four different types of property and you know how to figure the numbers on each one, I mean, I've even got a sheet that has a laminated cliff note sheet that 
has all the formulas, whether you're paying cash, whether you're doing hard money, whether you're doing split funded, uh, seller financing, no interest, seller financing with interest, uh, a rent formula. And as long as you know what the numbers are, you never overpay. So for those of you that, you know, you're all about the dollars, that's very important. But uh, many people use what Ron Legrand used to call the Mayo formula, which is the after repaired value times 70% minus the repair cost is the most you can pay cash for that property. And that formula is been around for a long time. The, the first 30% is going to be your, your costs of buying that property. And then you deduct the repair costs. But see, I can, I've got these eight different formulas. And uh, so you've got multiple options, what you can do, because the numbers are different for each, each strategy. And I've got them right there. You just fill in the yeah, I've got your I've got your course here with me, and I've got that laminated page on that first sheet, and it really does summarize very succinctly on two sides all the models you're talking about. We've got a call, uh, Bob okay. from Indiana. Uh, Bob, welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Yeah, I was just calling to find out, and maybe I missed it. I tuned in late, uh, but how does Larry find uh, a list of these uh, houses uh, that these people own? Uh, that don't occupy. Okay, the list of properties. Um, and, and that was going to be uh, something I was going to offer, that that list source, um, when I when I come to the, the group. I was going to give that up to everybody that shows up. It's a list source out of California, and she's got an excellent list. I buy 3,000 at a time because you can't get a good cross-section of the area that you're working. If you don't have enough, if you try and buy 500, it's not a good market sample. And, and after you've done it a while, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. And 3,000 names, um, you know, it runs between three and $400. But you stop and think. Uh, you pay three or $400 for the list and a dollar per envelope. But if you buy one deal and make $20,000, you've more than paid for all of it. And then the next one's free. There you go. So, yeah, I have uh, I have that list source, and I have a formula. Not a formula, excuse me. I have a code. And anybody who uses the code can get the list at the same price I pay. And I'm going to give that to everybody. Well, that's a good reason to come to uh, attend Larry's workshop. Uh, thank you very much, Bob. Any follow-on there? No, thanks. All right, you're very welcome. All right, uh, we've just got a couple minutes left. But, uh, so let me, uh, or t as I said, time's about up. What's the biggest reason you think they should be at, at Cincinnati Rio tomorrow to hear you speak and to consider, uh, you know, that's a free workshop for anyone in the community, or to come to our full-day workshop, which uh, I believe is a, you can register online at CincinnatiRia.com. Uh, why should they be there? I believe someone did not hang up. Oh, can you hear me, Larry? I can hear you. Okay, um, we're hearing you now. Did you hear my question? Yeah, what I'm going to show everybody tomorrow night is how to find profitable deals that don't necessarily need you to fork over a lot of money. And I'm going to show you different types of deals 
and I'm going to show you that there are different ways instead of paying cash, which everybody thinks they have to do. Um, no, it, you don't have to. And what you'll find is after we talk about this, and I show you some examples, you'll never think the same way again because you can try paying cash, and if they turn your offer down, you'll always say, how can I put this deal together? Because here again, I've said, and I'll say it a thousand times, not everyone wants cash. Cash is pieces of paper with green ink on it. What they want is what the cash can do for them. And if I can find what they need, many times I can make a deal that didn't require cash. They end up with more, and I end up with a good deal that works for me. And I'm going to explain some of those deals uh, when I come. All right. So it's going to be it's going to be for everybody to be able to uh, understand. It's not all about cash, and there's many, many, many ways to do it. Excellent. All right, Larry. Well, thank you very much. Uh, this has been Larry Harbolt here on Real Life Real Estate Investing. Larry will be at Cincinnati Rio tomorrow. We look forward to uh, seeing everyone come tomorrow and next week come again to listen to Real Life Real Estate Investing. <laughs>